Great Loop Radio, brought to you by America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. We're dedicated to sharing Great Loop information and inspiration with those actively cruising, planning for, or dreaming about a Great Loop adventure. This is Kim Russo. I'm the director of AGLCA. Today we have John Pitney joining us again. And for those of you who are regular listeners, you will remember John from the several times he's been with us. Um, John is a gold looper, and he has provided a series of checklists for AGLCA members to use. They're on our website in a format that allows you to edit them for use on your own boat. And today the topic we'll be covering is salvage and towing considerations. Before we get started with John, I want to take a moment to recognize and thank our Admiral sponsors who support AGLCA at the highest level. They are Curtis Stokes and Associates, Dog River Marina, Passage Maker Trawler Fest, Skipper Bob Publications, and Waterway Guide Media. As always, we encourage our listeners to support these businesses that support the Great Loop. John Pitney, thanks for joining me again. Welcome back to Great Loop Radio. Oh, it's my pleasure, Kim. Thank you very much. Uh, this is an important topic. I hope uh, our members never have to avail themselves of salvage or towing operations, but uh, sometimes it happens. Yes, and and you know, I always even even with people who aren't long distance or long term cruisers like loopers, um, you know, even just weekend boaters sometimes have an issue with this. And there's always some horror stories out there about some boats that ended up on a salvage operation when they thought they were being towed. So I think it's important that people understand the differences. Um, and also we're going to cover um, how to prepare your boat for being towed. And since loopers are typically very helpful for to their fellow boaters, we'll also talk a little bit about um, how to tow someone. Um, but let's start out with salvage. So uh, define salvage for us because it is different than towing. Absolutely. Uh, first, let me m make mention that I am not an admiralty lawyer, lawyer or any kind of lawyer for that matter. So uh, all this information is publicly available online. Uh, most of it, I think I gleaned from both U.S. and just tried to consolidate it into an easy to uh, understand format. So uh, with that said, uh, salvage is generally related to risk and peril, either risk and peril to the affected boat or to the salvor, the guy doing the salvage operations, or to perhaps a protected marine environment. Uh, any of those situations could uh, turn any, anything into a salvage operation. Uh, it, it involves imminent peril to a grounded, sinking, or a stranded boat or to a protected marine environment, and often it's also classified as any time you need to use more than one towing vessel or need special salvage equipment such as use of airbags or high-capacity pumps. That's uh, very often uh, uh, classified as a salvage operation. Okay, so and, and that definition is in writing in John's checklist on the website, and we'll talk about where to find that shortly. Um, but kind of tell us what to do first if you find yourself in a salvage situation. You recommend calling your insurance company. Um, tell us why that should happen first. Right. Um, <clears throat> if you have the presence of mind and the time to do it and the communications available, certainly a call to your insurance company is, is warranted. 
most insurance contracts I'm familiar with require you to notify the insurance company anytime you have some kind of damage to the boat. Um, <clears throat> also, the insurance company might put you in touch immediately with an adjuster in your area. It might give you some advice about uh, different salvage companies to use. They also will clarify for you uh, what the insurance company itself is willing or capable of doing in, in terms of uh, paying for salvage operations. Some contracts include it, some don't. So be sure to review your own contract and understand what your insurance company is obligated to do in this type of uh, operation. So a good call to them is, is warranted. The next call probably should be to the Coast Guard to uh, inform them of your situation. Uh, they can be very helpful in terms of uh, telling you about tides or currents that might affect your, your condition. Um, they could also assist in getting other boaters around to help you uh, in, in restricted visibility conditions they probably will warn other boaters to stay away from you. So uh, they could be very helpful in this situation and definitely give them a call if you have some kind of communication. Okay. So once you've made those calls um, and, and you're kind of getting the salvage operation underway, talk to us a little bit about cost because salvage operations can be extremely expensive. That's exactly right. Uh, towing operations, I think I read something on Boat US where the average towing operation is about $700. A salvage operation, however, is generally awarded either as a fixed cost, which you should agree to up front, or to some kind of percentage of the value of the salvaged vessel. So that percentage could be anywhere from 15, 20, even up to 40%. So you can see there we're talking thousands of dollars and not simply, uh, uh, you know, something less than $1,000. So very important to understand that distinction. Um, if you have uh, oh, one thing to always understand is that salvage operations are typically no cure, no pay. And I guess that's a legal term that is used to, to uh, put forth the idea that if the salvage is not successful, they can't get you off the rocks or the boat sinks anyway, whatever. Uh, the salver is not entitled to any money whatsoever. So that's why it's a risky proposition for them. They have to invest a lot of money in extra equipment and training and, uh, now, that's why you end up paying 20 to 40% of the, the value of your boat to the salver. Um, okay. To the best of, of your knowledge, John, most, do most insurance companies cover the cost of salvage, or is just that something that you should check you know, per individual insurance policy? Uh, I believe most insurance companies have uh, some coverage for salvage operations. Uh, the one that I use happens to be Pantaneous, and uh, I quoted here just for my own information on my checklist. It said salvage and wreck removal costs are covered in full accordance to the conditions, even if the costs exceed the insured value of the policy. But there is a deductible that applies, and there's also a maximum limit for emergency without physical loss, which is a term that describes towing. 
So that's what mine says, and I encourage everybody to look for the equivalent clause in your particular insurance contract. Okay, very important. Um, so if you're out boating for uh, an afternoon and you run aground, um, a typical thing to do if you can't get yourself off the rocks or wh- whatever uh, bottom you've run aground onto is to call D- Towboat US. And you mentioned in your procedure that Towboat US can also do salvage operations. So what should happen if, if Towboat US comes out and, and somehow the endeavor ends up being salvaged instead of towing? How, how would that work? Right. Uh, Towboat US can do salvage operations, as I assume CTO can also. I'm, I'm not exactly sure of that, but uh, uh, Towboat US, the towboat uh, captain is required to inform you uh, any way possible if you have communications via radio or phone or just talking to you if he can, that uh, he, re- he considers this particular work to be salvage and not towing. You need to know that up front. And um, if they're not telling you for any reason, you need to ask the question. So is this salvage or is this towing? If they say that it is salvage, then you should go into uh, a mode that um, uh, where you try to determine what the price is going to be up front. Now, some companies will give you a fixed price because they're familiar with the water, they're familiar with your type of boat and where it has to go, and it's no big deal to them. And others will base their cost on time and materials and won't know right up front what it's going to cost. Uh, in either case, you need to get that established up front be- before any work gets done. Either get the price in writing if it's an upfront cost or some kind of an oral agreement, try to get somebody to witness that agreement. Um, if he wants to do the job first and then get paid later, there are three basic ways that that amount of money to be paid will be determined. Uh, The first would be to negotiate with your insurance company if you have insurance coverage as to what the amount should be. And the insurance company should handle that negotiation in in, uh, coordination with you. Um, The second might be to go through some kind of binding arbitration. And that's what Boat US offers. They have a salvage binding arbitration uh, group that uh, program that is available to everyone and it's a low cost option um, that's available to boat owners and insurance companies and marine operators and through that binding arbitration they determine what that particular salvage operation uh, will cost and this is after the fact of course. The third way would be to go to, to a federal admiralty court, and in that case, uh, you're pretty much, um, pretty much on your own as to getting a lawyer involved and uh, going through the court system to get that price determined. So if at all possible, you should try to use the arbitration program if there is no set price after your successful uh, salvage operation has been completed. Uh, in that same vein, Boat US offers a contract 
for you to use. It's called the Open Form Yacht Salvage Contract. And everyone, I can't stress this enough, everyone should have a blank copy or two of this particular contract printed out in a folder on board your boat. Uh, this is what you can present to the salver and say, I would like to use this contract for this particular operation uh, instead of the one that you're going to present me, which most likely is something uh, from Lloyd's of London or somebody like that. It's, it's typically written very much in favor of the salver. Um, you don't have to sign a contract prior to getting salvage operations to start. You can refuse to do that. You can even refuse to sign something after the salvage is completed. Uh, but you should try to get them to sign or work with you and use the U.S. Uh, Boat U.S. Uh, standard salvage contract and have a copy on board to use. So that's a very important thing that everybody can go and do today if, if they have to think about it. If you go online to Google and just Google Boat U.S. salvage contract, one of the first two things that comes up is a PDF um, copy of that contract. Download it, print it out, put it in a safe place. Okay, good to know. Um, so basically that kind of walks us through what to do if it's a salvage operation and, and what to sign or not sign, so that's extremely helpful. Um, talk a little bit about getting ready to be towed and uh, you know, tell me, do these procedures for getting ready to be towed apply, whether it's a salvage operation or towing? Um, we'll talk about that a bit, if you would, please. Right. If you're in a situation where you're going to be towed, um, <clears throat> so much de depends on the circumstances. Typically, if you have a towboat operator come out, they will be um, very willing and, and will pass information to you as to how they'd like to set up your particular boat for towing operations. Putting out fenders and dock lines all around probably is not what they're going to want. So just wait until they tell you. Uh, if you have an anchor bridle on board that you use for anchoring, uh, possibly it could be used for towing. Um, if not, you might take a couple of your best dock lines and uh, tie them to your forward cleats with the eye uh, of the line facing the towboat and allow the towboat then to put some kind of a uh, fitting or something through the eyes of both those lines. If you, can, if you can attach the towing line to more than one place on your boat, more than one cleat, it will reduce, uh, particularly if you can attach it to your two forward cleats, it will reduce the amount of pull and stress on those cleats by half. So a lot of folks don't really know what the ultimate strength of their cleats are, so this is a, probably a good thing to do uh -huh. um, is to attach a towing bridle. Also get your anchor ready to let go in case the towing bridle has to be cut or let loose uh, and you're going to be set adrift and you don't want to uh, have that happen. You want to be able to anchor in place and uh, try to keep safe that way. Um, decide whether or not you want your passengers to stay on your boat or to go to the tow towing boat. Uh, many things come into play there. Um, the condition of your boat, is it taking on water, is it stable? Um, have you had a fire? 
all kinds of things come into play as to whether or not you want to transfer everybody or just everybody except one person to guide the boat uh, to the towing vessel. Uh, make sure, of course, everybody's in life jackets. That goes without saying. Make sure your rudders are midships and trim tabs are fully raised. Um, that puts your boat in the best position to be towed um, from that point on. Okay, now, very the, helpful information, John. Did you have something to add to that? No, I'm just going to say that uh, the towboat operator will give you additional instructions that probably unique to his particular setup on his towboat. So uh, be sure to follow those instructions the best you can. And this points out another thing is if you don't have uh, power on board, but you do have a portable VHF radio, this will tremendously facilitate communication. So I would highly recommend that everybody has a battery operated, you know, handheld VHF radio for this kind of an emergency. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and play a message from one of our sponsors. When we come back, I'd like to shift the conversation to some procedures for towing other boats. So we'll get to that as soon as we return. We'll be back in a moment. Green Turtle Bay Marina and Resort has consistently been voted a must-stop by loopers. It has earned the coveted five-anchor designation from Quimby's Cruising Guide. This full-service marina features over 450 slips. They are located at mile marker 31.5 on the scenic Cumberland River. Green Turtle Bay is a proud commander sponsor of AGLCA, so join them and find your waterway of life. We're back on Great Loop Radio. Our guest today is our frequent contributor, John Pitney, who is a gold looper who has provided a series of checklists for his fellow loopers. Um, today we're talking about salvage and towing. And before we jump into how to tow another boat, I do want to mention where to find this and the other checklists that John has provided. If you are an AGLCA member, you can access those by going to the greatloop.org website. Go to the member resources menu and then click on documents. And in the documents area, you will find a folder with all of these procedures and checklists. Uh, John has very graciously provided these in a Word format so that they can be edited. These are specific to his boat, um, but very easily edited to make them pertain to the details and the specifics of your own boat. So a great resource for there. And John, uh, once again, we thank you for providing those. Um, let's move in for today's discussion on how to tow another boat, because as I mentioned earlier, loopers are a very friendly bunch and a very helpful bunch. And if they do see another boat in distress and in need of a tow, most will try to help. So let's talk a little bit about the best way and safest way to do that. Um, so go ahead and start with um, when you should lend assistance as opposed to perhaps if, it, if you can't lend assistance. Uh, right. Very important uh, consideration, Kim. Uh, a lot of loopers like to travel in groups, and um, I think it it behooves us all to have a discussion prior to going in a group over a large body of water, let's say uh, making the crossing down in Florida, uh, as to what everyone is going to do if someone does get uh, in distress, if they have an engine problem and are not able to make way. Uh, are they going to tow the boat? Are they going to assign somebody to sit around and wait for help to come? Or exactly what 
what is going to happen. It's best to have that conversation prior to getting underway with the group than it is after you're out there and um, uh, some boats may not have a towing capability. It may be the largest boat in the group and nobody else can tow you. So all these things need to be thought about. Um, towing a heavy boat in rough seas can be very problematic. And for that reason, it's, it's probably best if you have a situation where this is occurring to wait for the professionals to go ahead and get Towboat US uh, or somebody else out there to help because lots of things can go wrong. Um, there are a lot of unknowns in that particular situation. The strength of your lines, the strength of your deck tackle, your cleats, and the same question about the boat that's being towed. Um, it can be a lot of stress on the lines, and when they're stressed, they can be very dangerous in terms of uh, if they break and the recoil that happens to either boat. So if you have that kind of a situation, you might want to think twice about towing and instead stay by the boat, offer any assistance as possible. If the people want to get off onto your boat, then maybe make that happen. But it uh, might be best to uh, wait for professional assistance in that situation. If you feel like uh, weather conditions and the distances involved are reasonable and you want to set up to tow another boat, um, by all means, uh, give it your best shot. Uh, there are some considerations there, too. Of course, you want to get everybody in life jackets and make sure everybody's in a secure location on both boats and decide whether or not you want everybody from the towed vessel to stay on that boat or to come aboard your boat that, that is the towed. Uh, lots of things come into that consideration, the sea state, the wind, uh, the skill of the captains to be able to get the boats close enough to do a transfer the condition of the passengers, <clears throat> all these things have to um, play uh, into this decision. <clears throat> and if you do try to do this, probably a stern-to-stern -stern approach is best if you both have swim platforms, but that would uh, presume that there's not much of a sea state and that you can do this safely. Um, generally, when you're trying to maneuver close to another boat, one should do the maneuver and the other one should stay still. Um, that's probably the best way. So that would be okay. the consideration. Okay. And, and once you've made that uh, determination over whether or not to transfer the passengers and that's done, um, what should you do next to prepare for towing? Right. Um, you might want to go ahead and issue a pon-pon or a securite or a mayday on Channel 16 to other vessels um, describing what it is that you're doing. <clears throat> Call the Coast Guard so they're aware of what's going on. And make sure you establish communications with the, with the towed boat if there is going to be somebody on there, cell phone or VHF. Note the time and position of the start of the tow in your ship's log. Um, if the other boat is taking on water, make sure that uh, you determine that it can be safely dewatered or get the water out of the boat while you're towing it. Um, don't assume that the bilge pumps at 2,000 gallons per hour rating are going to be able to pump 2,000 gallons per hour out of the towed boat. Uh, typically, because of the distance of the lines coming out of the bilge pumps, and the head involved in uh, the pressure, 
those bilge pumps probably have an effective rating of about half that. So make sure you think about that when you're considering whether the, the towed boat is taking on water. Um, make sure all your equipment is ready. Get your bridles put together. Uh, if you can, try to tie the bridle as far forward on your boat, the towing boat, as possible. And most people recommend perhaps the spring cleats as the best position. That will give you a little more maneuverability. In that case, um, always have a knife available for cut and cutting the towing line if, if necessary. And we, as we spoke before, having a towing bridle is the best solution to distribute the load among the different cleats on your boat. And that goes for the towing boat as well as the towed boat. So it's something to consider that you might want to have aboard. Um, double braided nylon is probably the best uh, line to use. However, it doesn't float. So you may want to attach a life jacket or something to it just to keep it above the water. Uh, it's the best kind because it's a stretch is not as quite as uh, long as, as other types of line. Um, during the tow, make sure that you use a low speed. Uh, you can get into more trouble by trying to go fast than uh, you really want to. So make sure you keep your speed uh, uh, under control and uh, start off easy. Use a steady pull. Also, try to keep both boats at the same position on the waves. If you have swells that are um, good size, you want to try to keep the towing boat and the towed boat at the same part of the wave at the same time. So keep them both at the crest if you can, and when they're both in the trough, that's the best situation. Having one in a trough and one in a crest at the same time uh, is not the best situation. So try to lengthen your tow line or shorten it to the point where you can both be on the same part of the wave. Um, okay. That's any, the basics. Uh, special, yeah, any special considerations if you are towing at night? Yes, absolutely. Uh, the co-regs require or establish that the towed vessel should display side lights and a stern light. Well, most people don't have the ability to just turn on the side light and the stern light. So um, I would recommend probably just turning on all your lights um, as, as if you were underway and also uh, have the, the towing vessel shine a spotlight of some sort on your boat from forward in order to illuminate it as best as possible. And if you're towing in dense fog, uh, there are some requirements for sounding horn whistle signals. Uh, one prolonged blast and two short blasts on the horn every two minutes if you're the towing vessel. And if the towed vessel is manned, sound one prolonged blast and three short blasts immediately following the signal of the towing vessel. So these are little things to remember. I doubt if you would remember them, but uh, if you have our checklist, they're on there so you can set that up. Yeah, um, and uh, go ahead. No, that's all right. Go ahead. Um, I was just going to mention again, um, you mentioned if you have the checklists, and I was we are starting to run low on time, so I just wanted to mention again where to find those checklists. Um, they are for AGLCA members, so you need to be logged into your member account on the greatloop.org website. 
go to the member resources menu and then to, to the documents selection and you'll see a folder there with uh, checklists and procedures and there are many besides these that John has provided. Um, so this was kind of a quick overview, uh, particularly on the procedures for towing. There is a, a kind of a detailed procedure um, and one final disclaimer, I suppose, as John started out um, saying he is not an attorney, nor am I. Um, so these are, you know, John's interpretation of the things he has learned over the years. Um, so feel free to use them. Um, these are also specific to his boat. So feel free to edit as needed for your own boat. Um, John, I know you're headed out to your boat today, so we want to make sure we can wrap up and give you time to do that. Any final thoughts before we end the podcast for today? Oh, I think that's about it, uh, Kim. I, I think the, the most important thing about towing is to understand your boat's capabilities, the conditions as they exist at the time you might be required to tow somebody, and make a good decision. I mean, as a skipper, your primary concern is the safety of your crew and passengers. And uh, the best thing you might be able to do is simply make sure that the boat in distress gets uh, gets the help that they need from professionals. So just make sure you consider that up front before getting too involved. Great advice. Thank you, John. And John, thank you for joining us again. We really appreciate you sharing your time and your knowledge with the rest of our listeners. Um, so we thank you. To our listeners, thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week with another episode of Great Loop Radio. Until then, safe cruising. <laughs>